You're listening to a news story on the audio version of The Taiyi. Thanks for listening. The Taiyi is a nonprofit newsroom that is funded by our audience. So, if you appreciate this article and you'd like to help us do more, head on over to support.thetaiyi.ca and become a Taiyi builder. You choose the amount to give, and you can cancel any time. Audio reveals RCMP officers laughed about beating a land defender. By Amanda Follett Hosgood, January 19, 2024. Content warning, this story contains depictions of police violence and racist language. It was about 7 a.m. on his very first day with the RCMP's Community Industry Response Group when Superintendent James Elliott received a call letting him know the Morris Forest Service Road had again been blocked as part of the ongoing conflict over the coastal gas link pipeline. Time was of the essence, Chief Superintendent John Brewer, who had just been promoted to CIRG Gold Commander, told Elliott over the phone. Protesters had stolen heavy equipment and used it to dig up the road, stranding hundreds of coastal gas link pipeline workers at a work camp. Supplies were running low, he said. As the newly minted Silver Commander for CIRG, Elliott would be responsible for coordinating the police response on Wet'suwet'en 10 territory. Three-day deadline, he scribbled in his notebook on November 15, 2021. More than two years later, as he testified this week in a courtroom in Smithers, B.C., Elliot apologized for comments made by the officers he oversaw during the arrests that followed. In audio recordings captured after arrests on November 19, 2021, several officers can be heard laughing about police violence, mocking arrestees, and making derogatory comments about symbols worn by two indigenous women to honor and remember murdered and missing indigenous women and girls. That is unacceptable, and I'll offer my personal apologies, Elliot said during his testimony Wednesday. That should never have happened. This is certainly not in accordance with the Gold Commander's direction to ensure that your mission would respect the rights of all persons and be compliant with the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms, suggested defence lawyer Francis Mahone. Mahone is representing three Indigenous land defenders, Slade O'Malley Wickham, Shailen Sampson, and Corey Jocko, charged during the enforcement. Elliot agreed but stopped short of accepting Mahone's suggestion that the racist remarks were a result of inadequate briefing prior to the enforcement to respect the rights of those arrested, particularly Indigenous people. I did my best to provide a thorough briefing and the expectation was that everyone came with the appropriate training and was professional and respectful. Obviously, they weren't, Elliot said. He added that it was the first time he'd heard the recording and didn't know which officers had made the comments. But it's not the first time RCMP have been made aware of some of the comments. Two clips were shared with Brewer in June 2022 by the Narwhal. The CARG Gold Commander called the comments beyond troubling. I had my whole team, all my commanders, sit down, can you identify those voices? There's absolute zero tolerance for that in this unit, Brewer told Narwhal reporter Matt Simmons at the time. But one clip, lasting about a minute and a half, in which officers described beating an indigenous arrestee, was newly revealed during Elliott's testimony. Criminal Contempt Elliott's admission came several days into a B.C. Supreme Court hearing on the defendant's application to stay the charges against them based on RCMP officers' conduct during the arrests. 
Defendants allege that the RCMP violated their charter rights and used excessive force and racist language during the arrests. Slato has been a prominent figure in the years-long dispute over the coastal gaslink pipeline through Wet'suwet'en territory. While the nation's hereditary leadership has opposed pipelines since before the project was first proposed, the company has pointed to impact benefit agreements signed with five of six Wet'suwet'en band councils as evidence of support for the project. In 2018, the BC Supreme Court granted Coastal GasLink an injunction that prevents anyone from blocking access routes or work sites used for pipeline construction. Since then, RCMP have conducted several police actions against those blocking access to the remote Morris Resource Road. On November 18 and 19, 2021, about 30 people were arrested and 19 were later charged with criminal contempt. Some have since pleaded guilty. In November, one person was found not guilty. To meet the threshold of criminal contempt, the Crown must prove that someone knew about the injunction and deliberately defied it, degrading the court's authority. Last Friday, after hearing several days of evidence from the Crown, Justice Michael Tamman determined that there was enough evidence to convict Slato and two others arrested on November 19, 2021. He began hearing evidence the same day into the three defendants' application to dismiss the charges. Slato and Sampson, who is from the Gixon Nation, were arrested while inside a tiny house that was located on a work site next to the pipeline route. Two journalists also in the building, including Amber Bracken on assignment for the Narwhal, were arrested and held in custody for several days. Bracken is now suing the RCMP. Jocko, who is Haudenosaunee, was arrested the same day in a separate building located about 800 meters down the pipeline route, where Coastal GasLink was preparing to drill under the Morris River. Concern over impacts on the river, known in the Wet'suwet'en language as Wet'suwet'en, has been central to Wet'suwet'en opposition to the project. Wet'suwet'en and their supporters first occupied the worksite, which is several kilometers off the Morris near the Martin Forest Service Road, in September 2021. On November 14, 2021, supporters also dug up the Morris, the main access road into the area, blocking access to the pipeline route and work camps in Wet'suwet'en territory. The November 18 and 19, 2021, enforcement would be the third high-profile police action on Wet'suwet'en territory in as many years. A previous action had led to protesters shutting down shipping routes across Canada. Elliot said the potential for a repeat was never far from his mind. As he planned the enforcement, Elliot took a hardline approach. And once enforcement got underway, Elliot determined the time for talking was over. There was not going to be any negotiation. There was quite a bit of destruction on the roads, and the time for setting conditions and negotiations was over, he testified. There was criminal and injunction violations occurring and we needed to enforce that. That week, Elliot traveled each morning from Huckleberry Lodge, a coastal gaslink work camp where police officers were housed, to the fire hall in nearby Houston, B.C., where command was stationed. From there, he was in radio communication with officers on the ground while also receiving intelligence that would inform the enforcement response. It was up to Elliot to assess risk and determine how many people were likely to be arrested. From that, he determined the appropriate resources needed. The remote area meant that it would take some time to bring in officers. 
The enforcement was delayed by a day as the RCMP chartered a flight to bring officers in. It was important there be enough resources to arrest people and move them efficiently through the system, Elliot testified. If I were to take everybody, put them in cars, and leave them there for the next six hours, that's unacceptable, he said. Elliot's risk assessment was informed, in part, by monitoring social media. Phrases like last stand, used in a post by Slato, indicated the potential for violence, he said. Elliot also noted Slato's call-out for supporters and the potential for an influx of people into the area. Among those supporters were members of the Mohawk Nation, part of the Haudenosaunee Confederacy in Ontario, who had arrived at the Morris. Elliot testified that Mohawk symbology, such as flags, patches, and stickers, represented potential for enhanced activism and heightened his risk assessment because it had been used at similar events elsewhere. I remember one post that I was provided at the time that said something about hiding weapons under the snow, in the forest, Elliot testified. I was required to make sure that those resources were there and properly staffed to deal with them. Mahone began her cross-examination by reading the full text of the post. Even in the eye of the storm, there is great peace. We must all bury our weapons underneath the pines, Mahone read. Sir, are you familiar with the common expression burying the hatchet? Do you know what that means? Mahone asked. Mahone informed Elliot the post was communicating a Haudenosaunee expression of peace. Elliot testified that Mahone's assessment of the expression could be correct, and that it meant the opposite of what he had first assumed. But he said the mention of weapons still led to a heightened risk assessment. Destroying the roads, lighting things on fire, was not necessarily peaceful, he said. Mahone then provided some background on the Mohawk flag, which was designed by Lewis Hall in 1974 and was intended to be a symbol of unity for all indigenous people, she said. Are you aware that it is also intended to be a visual manifestation of the Haudenosaunee Oral Constitution, sometimes described as the Great Law of Peace? Are you aware, sir, that the Mohawk word for warrior has a different connotation than how we understand that in English? Mahone asked. She said the Haudenosaunee word for warrior is rotiskenreikt, meaning he carries the burden of peace. Elliot testified that he wasn't aware of the additional context, nor did it inform his assessment of the situation. On November 18, at first light, RCMP officers departed Huckleberry Lodge. Their primary goal was to clear the Morris Road, Elliot testified. He was surprised by how quickly the operation unfolded. By midday, RCMP had arrested 15 people at Gidim 10 Checkpoint, a camp 44 kilometers down the Morris, and supplies were flowing into the pipeline work camp the same day. The following morning, as police staged for the second day of arrests, Elliot watched a live social media feed showing Slato and Sampson wearing red dresses and red handprints and paint on their faces. He understood the symbols represented awareness for missing and murdered indigenous women and girls, he testified. Watching the social media video that morning, Elliot made note of a dead man barricade, a two-by-six plank across the door. During previous testimony, Officers who breached the structure and made arrests testified that they came unprepared and did not have proper breaching tools, instead using heavy axes and a chainsaw they found on site. 
Those inside the cabins, including the defendants, were taken into custody without incident, Corporal Sebastian Pelote and Sergeant Ryan Arnold testified. As Elliott's cross-examination wrapped up Wednesday, the defense played several minutes of audio, which was recorded after police confiscated equipment from Bracken and another journalist, Michael Toledano, who was also taken into custody during the arrests. The audio appeared to capture arresting officers, making disturbing comments about the arrestees and police actions during arrests the day prior. They begin by mocking the face paint worn by Slato and Sampson. Do they have fucking face paint, too? They're not orcs? Asked one officer, referring to fictional monsters from J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. Officers also compared their entry into the cabins to a scene from the horror movie The Shining, in which Jack Nicholson's character breaks through a door with an axe and looks inside, saying, Here's Johnny. Other officers laughed in response. Perhaps most disturbing was the clip that caught an officer describing an indigenous arrestee as that big fucking ogre-looking dude. He's actually, like, autistic, the officer said, as other officers responded with laughter. Then the fucking guys just beat the shit out of him and then he started crying. I felt bad for him. Apparently the sergeant grabbed his balls and twisted. I guess he was on the ground and everyone was just grabbing limbs. He didn't have a limb to grab, so he's like, just grab his balls, like, you done now? You done resisting? This clip does not appear to have been shared publicly before the trial. Elliot called the comments unacceptable, unprofessional. His testimony wrapped up Wednesday afternoon. On Thursday, the court heard from two RCMP officers involved in processing people following the arrests. The court was expecting to hear from two RCMP dog handlers today. While the hearing was initially scheduled to end this week, it's now expected to continue an additional seven or eight days. Those dates were expected to be set today. Thanks for stopping by the Tai today. Anytime you're in the mood to listen to important stories written well, we'll be here. And if you'd like to keep independent media going strong, head over to the Tai.ca and click on the Support Us button to pitch in. Finally, big, big thank you to all of our Taiyi builders who made this story possible.